don't get healed. But it's hard. But God's good. Amen. Any others we need to pray for? Pray for this coming Sunday. I just feel like the Lord's going to do something good this coming Sunday. we we got several that's mentioned coming. And uh, I'm just anxious about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you for each one that's gathered here. Thank you for those that listen. Lord, we are amazed every day of our life how that people are listening to your word and responding to your word. It seems like, Lord, you're moving in hearts and minds of people. If we would do, be faithful in witnessing to people, we can see people saved, lives changed during these hard times. I know you use these things for your honor and glory. So we ask you to get glory out of them. But we also pray for John and Joe and the cancer victims and, and Elizabeth, Lord, if you'd take care of her skin cancer. And, uh, Lord, there's just so much going on that we ask you, Lord, that you intervene in people's lives. And Lord, when we hear the good report of you blessing people, healing people, raising people up, people getting saved, we'll be very careful to give you the praise and honor and the glory for it. We pray for our missionaries, pray for our president, pray for our country. Dear God, we ask you to bless. I know you can change things. If it's your will, Lord, we would ask you, would you change all these situations and these robbers and all the mess that's going on in this country right now? Lord, you can do it, but give those in charge, Lord, the power uh, to do what you would have them to do. Bless you tonight, now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was talking to a preacher just this week about uh, uh, Fauci. Is that his name? Fauci or something. Anyhow, that card we got, he's trying to make everybody tell you. He said, Preacher, I've never seen the pointing. He said, You know, I got to preach studying, and he said, Did you know that the a rapture. Is it, it, it comes it's slowly, but it'll be here before you know it one day. And a twinkle of an eye, the rapture will be here. He said, but the Antichrist is on the world working all the time. And did you know the book of Revelation said you're going to have to take a mark to get food and everything else? And that card that they want everybody to take, uh, sure, is, is working people's mind to receive that thing. And it's, it's really... It would be scary if you wasn't a Christian, if they knew what they could be scared of. But unsaved people don't know. But uh, I thank God He don't leave us in the dark. Amen. Uh, if you would, please turn your Bible back to Hebrews tonight. And uh, I have really enjoyed the study. I pray you have in the book of Hebrews. But I want to take up Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30 tonight on down. In Hebrews 10 and verse 30. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great faith of affliction, fight of affliction. Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion on, of me in my bonds, 
and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Father, would you bless your word to our hearts tonight now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading these verses, and I, I've said this to myself a great many times. It's a scary thing to think about one day looking in the face of a live God. And yet, I want, I want you to see the difference in what it's talking about here in verse 31. <clears throat> it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Now, go back with me for just a minute to First Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter 21. I want to begin to read in verse 8. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee, either three years famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now in the hands of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall in the hand of man. Now you take that with Hebrews chapter 10, where we just read. It seems like a contradiction when the Bible says over here, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But yet David prayed, let me fall into the hands of the living God, rather than the hands of man or pestilence or something else. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. First Chronicles 21, 13, David said, let me fall now in the hands of the living God. It's not a contradiction. What led David to make this statement in First Chronicles, David had sinned in taking a census of all Israel. And the sin of David was not the taking of the census in itself, but why did he did it? He did so without God giving him the authority to do so. If you go back and study that whole story, you'll find out that God had told them, the great men of God, the leaders of God, never take a census unless you take a head count, and every head count had to pay a certain amount for everyone you take a, a head count. David didn't do that. David, uh, pride rose up in him, 
And he wanted to know how many people he had under him. He wanted to magnify himself. But now watch, please. After he had sinned, he, he did in pride, he sinned in pride. His motive was a sinful one, that therefore David uh, had to be punished for his sin. Yet David, in humility and piety, the king left the judgment in the hand of God. It's one thing to be in the hands of God in judgment of sin, in mercy. It's another to be in the hands of God in judgment of sin, in apostasy from Christ. And not by ignorance, but by willfulness and persistence. Then it becomes a fearful thing. God is unlimited, everlasting. His punishment to the apostate is everlasting. A man may die, but God never dies. Now, the one falls voluntarily into the hands of God. The other is brought by the law. The one falls in the hands in humility and penitence. The other is hardened impotence. David was sincerely and deeply repentant of his sin in First Chronicles 21. Now, the one here in Hebrews 10, verse 31, this sinner willfully and defiantly persists in known and terrible sin and is arrested by the hands of Almighty God as a daring rebel. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me read you a few verses and listen very carefully. In Job, the book of Job just before Psalms, at Job chapter 9, and look with me, please, beginning in verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how shall man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and has prospered? The answer to that, nobody. Amen? Notice what verse, said, verse 4 said. Who has hardened himself against God and has prospered? Nobody. Now, if you take that with Psalms, chapter 2, the one falls into his hands uh, uh, firmly and the other trusting in his mercy. Now, the other deeply dreading his wrath. David said, for very great are his mercies. But the other, in verse in chapter 10, now look at verse 27, and notice how his answer is. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, and verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. Go back to verse 26. For if we sin willfully, as we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. But if you go across the page, now somebody said, that means then I can sin after I'm saved and God won't forgive me. No, go, go across the page. Now to verse 39, look what it said. But we're not of that bunch. Amen. We're not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So don't count me in that bunch that he's, that he's talking about. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God for chastisement. Now, 
the one is falls into his chastening hands, the other into his avenging hands. Now the question is, what is your relationship to God? Uh, penitence or pertinence in sin. We all must fall in the hands of God somehow or another. Watts wrote this, A guilty, weak, and helpless worm, on thy kind arms I fall, but thou my strength and righteousness, my Savior and my all. Amen, I like that. I read that little thing, I said, man, that's good preaching right there. Now let's go back to Hebrew chapter 10, and I'll begin reading verse 35. Verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense or reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, I won't read the rest of it, but I want you to listen just a minute. Christian fidelity and its reward, according to verse 35. There's a great reward promised here. Now notice, great recompense reward. You might receive the promise. By the promises meant, not the promise itself, not the word of promise, because they already had that, but by the promises meant the good things, the blessings which the word of God assures us of. For, for instance, in chapter 9, verse 15, God promised us eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's our inheritance. In chapter 10, verse 34, we have the promise of better and enduring substance. The promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Those are the promises that God has promised us if we stay faithful. Now notice, in order to get this great reward promise, we must do the will of God. Now I want to ask you something. What is the will of God? Let's go over to verse 36. For you have need of patience. To have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Let's go back to John for just a minute. Chapter 6. John chapter 6. You can't do the will of God if you don't know the will of God. Let's go back to John chapter 6 now. And I want you to look at verse 40. John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of Him, that is Jesus, that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. Did you know no man can ever come to God and say it's not God's will that I be saved? Yes, it is. It's God's will that everybody gets saved. Amen? God don't want to send nobody to hell. So what is the will of God for one? That they might be saved. Now, the doing the will of God includes three things. Faith in Christ, confession of Christ, and in continuance in Christ. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of God, which is in heaven. So if somebody says, I'm saved, all right, how you test your faith? How you test you know you're in the will of God? I have faith in Christ, number one. Number two, I have confessed Christ. Number three, I continue in Christ. Amen? So I know I'm in the will of God, because the will of God is that we be saved. Now, the life of faith, now the just shall live by faith, the Bible says. Now, notice the character specified here 
In 1 John chapter 3, turn over there just a little bit further. In 1 John chapter 3, and look with me in verse 3. 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, look on down to verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, are made known, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So we know what the difference is in a saved person and an unsaved person. The Bible says a saved person does right. I, I, I wish everybody would get... Uh, I can't even think of his name right now. That book in here, Just Do Right. He wrote a, a sermon in a book, it Just Do Right. And I read that sermon and I said, Man, that's a great way to live. You know, just whatever it is. You know what a Christian does? Just does right. Whatever's right, just do that. You know how you can tell a Christian and a non-Christian? That one that wants to do right all the time, and that one that don't want to do right all the time. That's the difference in us. Amen? So the life of faith, if you live a life of faith, it's in righteousness. And then the second thing about the life of faith is continuance. That is, just keep on going. Notice... Where we read in chapter 10 now, as the hymn that draweth back. Notice uh, in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You ever watch some people, they make a supposed decision for Christ, and there's no change in them, there's no difference in them, and they want to show. Uh, uh, the Christ, the Christian lie, but uh, the Bible says if you draw back and don't do the righteous things of God, you're none of His. Because you go back to the Book of Matthew, and He said that not everybody's going to heaven. And so, just because you make a, a profession does not mean you're saved. What makes a difference is if you got Christ in your heart and He lives out from you. Now, the life of faith, you come to God. You don't run from God. You learn to depend on Him. And notice, if you would please, where we say a while ago, if you draw back, that means if you come up to God and you go away from Him, you're none of His. You come to Him. Amen? And that's what makes a difference. Now, up to here we've talked about the things of God, but I want to go into chapter 11. I love chapter 11 of Hebrews. And I won't read but just one verse in, in chapter 11 tonight. The first verse. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then he goes on and talks about the elders obtain a good report of their faith. And he goes on and gives us uh, examples of these great people and, uh, that live by faith. Chapter 11 has to do with the walk of faith. We started as examples of the Old Testament saints that walked by faith. We started off with the origin of the universe. God built the universe, made the universe. And we find that everybody will exercise their faith 
in either man or God. Did you know there's only two religions in the world? There's one that believes in God and there's one that believes in what man can do. And evolution, believe it or not, is a religion. It's not just a teaching, it's a religion. That's a man-made religion. But the Bible says in the beginning God. You'll either believe in the beginning God or you'll believe in the teachings of man that we evolved from something. And so uh, when you talk about walk by faith, number one, you have to start off where the Bible starts. Uh, do you believe in the origin of the universe? Exercise that faith. And then uh, you'll believe that what God's Word says. And that word begin, This word begins in verse 4. Now watch verse 4 of this chapter. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. And he goes on down and he uses these examples, and I'll get back to them at a later date, because I want to take each one of these and show you God takes each one of these men or women that he's using here in this chapter 11 that exercise faith in God, and he shows us somewhere in there we fit. Now notice, number one, Abel, faith, his faith is worshiping faith. Now he began with Abel and point out the worth of Abel's sacrifice. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now notice Cain was the founder of the world's first false religion. A religion that has been at the heart of all false religions ever since. Cain's religion was one of good works and human merit. According to Cain, salvation must be earned. He must pay the price. Man must. That's Cain's religion. So take any religion you want to today that believes you do it, you get saved by works. I don't care what kind of works. If it's feelings, if it's water baptism, if it's going out here and walking up and down the street and giving to the poor, name anything you want to. Anything they do, any religion that claims you've got to do something to get saved. It started with Cain way back in the beginning. Cain offered to God the fruit of the earth, the product of his own labors. He sweat in his sweat of the brow, his toil and self-effort. His religion is summed up in Scripture on the way, the way of Cain in Jude 11 and is rejected by God. It ignored Calvary and the shedding of blood. Abel, on the other hand, brought a lamb, took his stand as a hopeless sinner needing a Savior and a substitute and show his lamb shedding his blood to show his willingness to approach God God's way. Abel's offering was accepted as excellent. Verse 11. Because it portrayed Calvary. Cain tried to approach God on the basis of his own works. Now that's where the Bible goes back and says, verse 31 of chapter 10, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Think about it for just a minute. Can you imagine that you say to God, I'll take care of my own salvation? And you approach a live God that sent His Son in this world to bleed and die for your sin. And you say, I don't need Him. I'll take care of myself. Brother, you better be free for that. But watch this. The witness of Abel's substance, Cain's was rejected 
able to see witness both uh, the practical and the permanent value of his faith. He was pronounced righteous by God because he believed God and approached God in accordance with God's word. I was talking to somebody just this week. And I always try to make salvation plain and easy. And I said to them, I said, you know, I want you to get saved like I got saved. Same way the Bible teaches salvation. I said, if I told you to go jump in the river right now, seven times come up, would you do it? If that's what you believe that God told you to do to go to heaven? He said, sure I would. I said, didn't, God didn't say that. This is what He said. In Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess as I am, I said, you know what that simply means? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He died for your sin. Would you accept Him as your Savior, what He did for you on the cross? He said, yes, I will. And he asked the Lord to save him. Now, what the difference was, do you know how many people I've been talked to the same way, and they come back with it, can't be that easy. i got to do something. I mean, I got to go to church. I got to pay all tithes and offerings. Or I got to uh, help the poor. I got. They always come back with something they got to do, and God is displeased with that. But God is pleased with the man that simply leans on the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Amen. And that's what the Book of Hebrews is all about. It brings us right up to the blood of Christ, and will you accept it or will you reject it? That's salvation. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so glad we're saved tonight. And Lord, we're looking forward to these next few days, these what we call holidays, Lord, and, and celebrating the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus. What a time to be with our family and friends and loved ones, rejoicing. Maybe, Lord, you could see fit that we could speak to somebody and they get saved this week in the coming week. Wouldn't that be something if some of our loved ones that's not saved might get saved this Christmas? Bless us, dear God, as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight.